If you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, that's where we're going to be. But as you're turning there, I just want to get us thinking with the riddle. We all like riddles, yes? So here is my riddle for the day. What brings both confusion and clarity? What brings both doubt and certainty? Both despair and hope. Emptiness and joy. Does anyone have an answer for me? Pardon me? Thought, yes. Yes. That is not the answer, but it is a good... Anybody else? One more. The answer is not as important as the confusion that possibly comes with my riddle. Confusion, clarity, doubt, certainty, how are these connected? Despair and hope, emptiness and joy, what possibly could be the connection? And it's pain as the answer to each of those things. Pain. This is your last chance to leave before we spend 40 minutes talking about pain. (laughs) But this is not a message of despair and hopelessness and fear and loss of control. This is not a message on those things. I hope more than anything, and it is my prayer for this morning, that we would actually see pain differently. That our thought processes would be renewed as we... What is this pain in our lives and what is the use of it? Is there any point at all for the things that we have to go through? These are the huge questions of life. And if we get them right, oh boy, there's no limit to where we'll go. And with God's help, I hope I can explain some of these things. Because it is a confusing thing. To see the connection in this. Pain is a mystery, a stumbling block, a battleground. Is it our salvation? It certainly is a paradox. A paradox simply means a seemingly absurd or self contradictory statement that, when investigated, may prove to be well founded or true. Let me give you a few examples of what a paradox is. These are good. These are a good way to start us off. You can save money by spending it. That is a paradox. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense until you think about it. I know one thing that I know nothing. That one is not from my journal. Although it probably could be. This is the beginning of the end. Deep down, you're really shallow. (laughs) Not you guys, just the person you're thinking about. (laughs) George Bernard Shaw said, What a pity that youth may be wasted on the young. Except for the youth of Calvary Chapel. You guys are nailing it. Oscar Wilde, if you know anything about Oscar Wilde, I can resist anything but temptation. 
And let's bring it full circle. One of the beautiful lines of Braveheart, deny and you must be purified by pain. The Middle Ages were all crazy about purification by pain. They thought the worse a person suffered before they died made them more uh, ready to see God. If they died in horrible ways, there was an atonement process that began making them more acceptable to God for the crimes they had committed. Did they possibly care that much for the souls of the people? Or was it a loophole to be really, really nasty with people? Don't look up medieval torture devices anytime before you're going to eat. But let me go back to this saying. Deny and you must be purified by pain. How crazy does that sound to us? Does that rub us the wrong way? Purified by pain? I don't see... That that can't possibly be a thing. I'm not so sure that it's not a thing. And I hope to explain that today. Can we be purified by our pain? This is our verse for the morning. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Maybe the greatest verses in the Bible if you don't look anywhere else. But they stack up. So 16. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. The things that are unseen, eternal. Just awesome. I want to spend with us a little bit of time on our present state. A little bit of time on our future state and a whole lot of time on the journey from point A to point B. Okay, so our present state, the problem of pain. I would do a disservice to get up here and say, just look to the eternal in your pain. Look to the things that are unseen. Don't worry about the things that are right in front of you. Don't worry about your body that's broken, your relationships that are torn, your money that makes no sense. Don't worry about those things. Look to the eternal. Look to the eternal weight of glory just beyond those hills. Pain. Here's the problem with pain. It hurts. That's my deep thought for the day. I'm all tapped out. Pain hurts. And to say anything otherwise is to disservice the experience of being alive. Our pain is not, there's nothing good about that. It's hard. It hurts. It's a struggle. We think, when will this ever end? 
And Paul uses terms like wasting away. Light and momentary. But this is not the experience that we know. Who can say of their pain it is light and momentary? It's just a little affliction. It's wasting away like dry skin. I had a little burn and then the burn got better and the the dry skin just fell off. That was so light and momentary. But that's not our pain. That's not our experience. And we don't have to say that it is. Pain can be horrible and terrible and drag us down and knock us over and that's totally fine. That's just being real. It's just being real. We do disservice to not acknowledge. Here's a great quote. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And uh, if you're in any pain, you should read it. It's a little hard to read because he's very smart. Um, So I'm probably not using his quotes correctly. But, uh, man, it's just so good. There's a depth of, of 360 degree view that we need. Here's what he says. Is this true for us? If God were good, he would wish to make his creatures perfectly happy. And if God were almighty, he would be able to do what he wished. Okay? But the creatures are not happy. Therefore, God either lacks goodness or power or both. This is the problem with pain in its simplest form. And let's just, let's just own that quote for ourselves for a minute. One of the worst parts about pain is that we doubt God's own role in our lives. And the biggest heart of what I want to say today is that God's role may be no bigger than in our pain. Can we reframe our experience of pain with that truth? That God's working in the things that we go through. It's not meaningless. It's not for naught. It's not useless. It's not some torture device. It's not God passing the time. Why doesn't he intervene? When he could so easily. It's okay to think that. You're thinking that if you've thought that this week, it's okay. It's okay to say that kind of thing. God knows. I want to talk a little bit about the future. Paul says, he invites us into the future that says, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And he's pointing to something that is yet to come, this future that is far greater than the pain that we're in. An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And I I think we get, we understand that when we get to heaven, all things will be made right. I think we understand that. We all know the verse, we've heard it many times, where where they say in Revelation, and we cling to this verse, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither mourning, crying, pain, for the former things have passed away. We look forward to that day. The abundance where the veil is gone and we see God in all of his glory. Nothing hidden. 
nothing shadowed. And our bodies and relationships and minds and hearts and outlooks and perspectives are 100% renewed. Not the better version of what they were, but the version they were always meant to be. That is the future glory, and we look to that. But I don't really want to talk about that this morning either. I want to keep us on the ground. Because we got to walk this life out. And we got to get from the pain that we're in to the glory that's coming. And I want us to see the Lord in that journey. So that's what we're going to talk about. You know, I was processing why I, you know, I've spent the last few summers doing a lot of runs. Why do I, why do I do these crazy runs? Why do I, why do I run so far? Why does Greg have to come back from the finish line and help me do the last mile? Why? Why? Because he's a true brother, that's why. No. I run for the finish line. But to get to the finish line, there's a whole lot of miles to cover. A whole lot of miles. And if you're just running for the finish line, it's going to really suck in between. Really, really be bad. So I want to spend a lot of our time this morning on the journey. Going from present to future glory. Going back to 2 Corinthians 4. Our outer self is being renewed day by day, he says in verse 16. 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, are fleeting, temporary. But the things that are unseen, eternal. And I want us just to look at a one word here. Just one word in verse 17. I hope all of your guys' translations have this word. Trust me, it's in there. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us the eternal weight of glory. And I want to spend a bit of time on preparing. Because that invites us into the purpose of God in our pain. Preparing. Just that one word tells us God's on the move. It tells us immediately this isn't meaningless. If He's preparing something, something is happening. Something's happening in you, in your pain. If God is preparing something in you for eternal glory and it has to happen in our pain, that changes everything. That's where the new perspective can be. Preparing. Do we feel like we're being prepared in painful times? In the loss of a job, a death in the family, a relational trial, a money crisis, or a broken body. Are we feeling prepared? Or 
want to say a few things about being prepared in our pain. God's preparing us. The first thing is God is preparing us for proper boasting. Because we get boasting wrong all the time. And there is a boasting that is proper and good. And he wants us to see those things. Paul spends a lot of chapter 11 and 12 in 2 Corinthians boasting correctly. Not in his strengths. Not in the things he brings to the table. But in the weakness that comes in the pain that God has given him. It's an about face on the things that we generally take pride in. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. Second Corinthians 5 says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands. How much time do we spend boasting about the cracked pot that we are? Or the stinky, cramped, earthy smelling tent that we occupy? How much time do we spend boasting about those things? How many posts do we do online about our newest color of terra brown cracked exterior? Just got a new crack on my pot, guys. Check it out. Like, we spend a lot of time considering the conditions of the vessel that we are. Instead of the purpose and treasure in which is supposed to occupy us. And pain starts to shatter those feelings that these things are worth celebrating. Not that we hate the body, but in comparison to the treasure that's in within us and the purpose that our body has, we can brag correctly. As the pot ceases to be important, it can really start to do the thing in which it was intended for. Which is to hold those great treasures. It's the treasure within us. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Pain breaks down the illusion of self. World. Talent. Comfort. This gives me hope. This idea that. When we're in pain, we have an opportunity to shed the very thing that's holding us down. Because pain exposes those things as important in our life. And if you will allow it to expose it enough, that thing will die and slowly fall off and waste away. And your pot will be purified. Do we see that when we're hurting? My pot is being purified because the very thing that I hold dear is being exposed as so useless and temporary. It's not an easy thing to do. I'm not 
suggesting easy things. These are impossible. Does it make it less real? This is real. Augustine says, God wants us wants to give us something, but cannot because our hands are full. The secondly that is prepared in us is a godly humility. As we value the treasure within us over the cracked exterior. Now don't get this wrong. Humility and humiliation are not the same thing. And often we feel humiliated in our pain. And that's not what God is doing. Humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us, no more, no less. That's just my definition, but I think it's true. Humility allows us to see us as God sees us, no more, no less. Can we latch on to that? Thirdly, he wants to prepare in us an appreciation for life through pain, for the times that won't always hurt. I watched a show on Vikings, which is awesome, and uh, one of the Vikings had his hand cut off, and then he wore like this stump with a big blade on it. And uh, his brother asked him, how's, how's your arm feeling? He's saying, it hurts all the time, but pain tells me that I'm alive. It's a cool stump. <laughs> you know, holidays wouldn't be holidays without 50 and 55 hour weeks, 50 weeks of the year. Contrast is important in our lives. We're actually really lucky in Manitoba for the seasons that we have. We have an opportunity to appreciate seasons in a totally different way. Seriously, it's true. We have an appreciation because we've gone through the difficult seasons of eight months of the year. And those four months, they are precious. If we could have September, all, well, not this September, but a usual, that was like something different. That was a blip. But if we could have September 12 months of the year, wouldn't that be awesome? It would for like three months. September is that reprieve from nasty, hot, sunny Warm, sunburny weather. That's just me that thinks that. It's all that running thing again, you know. We need the seasons to appreciate. And we will appreciate our times of health and peace and provision and relational unity so much greater when we've gone through the hard times. That's just a reality. Lastly, God is preparing us for the future eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. He's preparing us for the future. Romans eight twenty two and 23 says, We know that the whole creation 
has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We groan inwardly, waiting for the future thing, the very purpose we were made. Pain in our life reminds us we're not there yet. Life becomes all-consuming. My sister recently moved from a rental house where she was working on a rental property to the rental property and living there while doing the reno, if that makes any sense. And I said, how's the reno going? She said, I don't know. Life just took over. Life is all-consuming. And if we were honest, we can sometimes forget of the things that are yet to come. That this is not the end game. That this is not as good as it gets. That I don't need to put all my eggs in this basket of life. There is something coming that by comparison is worth every minute of pain that we're in. And pain helps us to remember that. Again, it's the shedding of the idea of all that I have in front of me, all that I have in my health, my provisions, my people are enough and I don't need anything more. We shed those things. They, they need to die and fall away. Pain's just so good at doing that. And there's nothing better for the followers of Jesus to keep this in mind. That the best is yet to come. That we're not home yet. That the world we live in is broken and has been for a very long time. Until fruit became a part of, well, bad fruit became a part of people's diets. It's been broken for a long time and we still live in the consequences of that. But we're not home yet. Lastly, I want to spend the rest of our time calling us to remember... We've talked about Remembrance Day a little bit, and I want, us to call, I want to call us to remember some things if you're in pain today. If you're not in pain today, just wait for tomorrow or later on today. Seriously, pain is all around us. Pain has a way of causing us to forget. Pain has a way of shrinking the worlds we live in. As we retreat and retreat and retreat. We retreat in our pain. In all of our faculties. And our world gets very, very small. If we choose to remember that opens the doors up. It opens the windows up. The pit that we're in, we don't need to forget that the grass is green outside of it and that there are birds singing and that there are trees moving around in the wind, that the air is pleasant and clean and fresh. We don't have to forget all of those things in the pit. And God has a purpose for us that we need to remember. 
Firstly, I want to say, remember that Jesus does not simply call us from the future. This is important for us to know. Jesus isn't just saying, come to the eternal weight of glory. It's really awesome here. When you get here, all your pain's going to be gone. I'm waiting here for you. Come when you're ready. I got a warm seat here. Saved it all for you. Eternal weight of glory. Come on. How troubling that would be if that was true. I believe that Jesus is no closer to us in our times of pain. He's not calling us from eternity, asking us, come where I am, it's a lot better here. It'll all make sense when you get here. Jesus ushers us the whole way, cries with us the whole way, hurts with us the whole way, walks and holds our hand the whole way. We'd never get there otherwise if he just stood there and called us. It never happened. He's in every hospital room. He never gets annoyed when you clip that help button on your bed or if it gets stuck and you weren't even clicking it and they come by to see you and they're like, what is the deal? I'm not even pressing anything. Sorry, I got to take myself out of the, you know, it's a little fresh, a little fresh in me. Psalm 34, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We are never abandoned in our, in our pain. We're never alone. How gracious of a Savior that was completely abandoned in his and yet the cross that we bear, he's there for every time. He's always there. Secondly, remember that our pain is God's plan for our good and for his best. Our pain is, we need to remember that our pain is for God's plan for our good and for his best. Because pain has this wonderful way of exposing the very nasty bits of ourselves. I don't know if that's just me. Probably is. It's, it's probably nobody else, but I'll just talk about myself then. Pain shines a light, bright and hot and clear, on the very parts of us that really shouldn't be there and aren't helping anyone and are hurting ourselves and the people around us. And it's just right there. It's like this helicopter that is coming down on the ground and, and it just sends everything flying that's around the landing site. And pain comes on our very self, the very depths of our self with this helicopter and just comes down. And it takes all the rubble away. All the confusion away. All the little trees and Bushes to hide around away. And we're just left exposed. And it's a little, you know, just, just me though. But it's a little nasty sometimes, you know. Peyton has a way of exposing that in us. And, and it is so, so good. Because that's the parts that have to die. 
Those are the things that need to waste away and fall off dead onto the ground, never to be picked up again. Perhaps if we looked at pain this way, we could understand maybe we do get purified by pain. Because all those nasty bits get to get cooked off real good and fall off and I don't have to have them anymore. You know, in my life. This is a dangerous, this is a dangerous prayer. Lord, reveal and remove the idols in my life. Because an anvil is going to fall on your head. You know how idols come out? Like wisdom teeth. Yeah. Yeah. With no T3s afterwards. It's brutal. Got to get out of the sermon. But this is true. A dangerous prayer is to ask the Lord to reveal and remove the idols in my life. It's coming. Pain is coming. Because it's those idols. Are those things, it's those things that need to get killed real nice. Dry up. Fall away. They just come out so nastily. The other thing that gets exposed is something even deeper. Authentic living that Dave and Lynn have run and is just really, really rich. Gives this saying, says, emotions are the check engine light for our heart. Just think about that. Emotions are the check engine light for your heart. Now, you can obey the check engine light if you like, or you can just ignore it. Or you can think it's just part of, like, the lights being on. But pain causes that check engine light to go on. And pain can really be this time, because all sorts of things flare up on us that need to be examined, need to be killed, need to be left on the side of the road. Because we get to eternity, ready for eternity that way. That is our process of sanctification. Sanctification is a nice word that often is walked out roughly and messily. As parts of us have to die. Now, I don't, I don't remember if I said this was going to be encouraging uh, at the beginning, but I really think that it is. You see, God is a good father. He knows exactly what we need. And, and Can we stop equating discipline with punishment right away? Discipline is a loving act. Discipline is for our good. When they say in Hebrews, for they disciplined us for a short time, our earthly fathers as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness, that we may partake in the eternal weight of glory. But it takes discipline along the way. Discipline that a loving Father never shies away from. Not necessarily as punishment, but shaping and framing and preparing 
Purification in self is meaningless in and of itself without the presentation to the Father who is deserving of our whole self. I think that's also from Problem of Pain. You guys got you to read that book. It's so good. Thirdly, remember that resistance is futile. Is that from like Star Wars or Star Trek or something? Uh, I mean, it's by mistake. <sighs> futile, incapable of producing any useful result. Pointless. It is pointless to resist. This is important for us to know when we're in pain. It is pointless to resist the process of pain that God may have us in for our good. It is pointless. Doesn't mean you can't do it. You're free to do it if you want, but it's pointless. This is where you really got to die. I'm being encouraging again. Isaiah 55 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be uh, that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed the thing in which I sent it. God is at work in our pain and the sooner we sit down and receive that from Him, we're better off and the process can begin. I'm not saying don't pray for healing. That's a, that's a different sermon. But if you've not been healed yet, perhaps God still wants to tell, do, teach, renew, change, heal something more than he wants you to walk like a 37-year-old man and not like a 77-year-old man. Said somebody else, not me. I like how I walk. I don't know. <laughs> we got to pray for deliverance and healing, but... You know, the real death is... is is laying ourselves on the operating table and not moving as he works, especially when it's not going as fast as we would like. Being a patient, boy, that's tough. That's the real feeling of death. The sitting and the waiting. That's where the dying to yourself really, really takes place. As every part of you is saying, do something. Why won't you do something? Why aren't I different? Why isn't my situation better yet? And I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed. It's not different yet. Can you be patient in that? Can you receive your good Father's will and way and timing? And still trust Him that if I'm not done being worked on yet, you're not done working Because you're preparing eternal glory that by all comparison makes every bit of death and pain and sorrow 100% worth it at the first touch. It's going to be worth it immediately. Every minute. Remember that our pain is the most influential time of our lives. 
we are at risk when we are hurting. As soft and influential as we can be by the Lord, the enemy is very happy to kick you while you're down. There's no 30-second timeout to get the injured off the field. He's going to keep going. He's very, very happy for that. Which sheep gets it? The sheep that is weak and young and light and away from the herd. That sheep gets it every time. The devil's just nasty that way. He's nasty. These are probably the most practical things I'm going to say today. We need to fight the enemy with our fellow believers. We need to fight the enemy with psalms which lead us in honest prayer and give us the right to be honest with the Lord. We not always feel like we could be honest with the Lord. Honest with our discouragements. Honest with why it's taking so long. Read the psalms. They will lead you through those prayers very well. You know, when we fight with praise, when, when, when the very inner parts of ourselves can declare out, my soul sings, we're just sticking it to the devil in those times. You are sticking it to the devil when you praise in your sorrow and your pain. When your heart and your mind can still declare, my soul sings, you are sticking it to the enemy. You are sticking it to your flesh. You are participating in the very mortification of the parts of you are, that are, need to die. They need to die. There's no room for eternity in them. The, the body hole in which you go into eternity won't fit those things. My soul sings, even though everything else cries out for mercy. This is so good. It's just... Remember that we're all in this together. I'm, I'm glad that you guys prayed for me today. I'm glad that you guys prayed for me all week. Because this isn't everyone's individual battle. This is something that we all do together. The heart of the Lord is that we all hurt together. How many people have sympathy pains for my back right now? Come on. There's a few that actually do, but I think there are a lot more in spirit that do as well. We are all in this together. Second Corinthians 7, 6 and 7. But God who comforts the downcast comforted us by coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. How do we react when we're in pain? The very objectivity of our bodies when we're in pain tells us the purpose in the body. If I jam my finger, I react. Every part of me is engaged in the protection of the injured member. We're all supposed to be activated when a piece of the body is in pain. That's God's plan for us. And we're all participating Together, We were looking this morning at, at the strings of lights that are downstairs. If you haven't seen them, uh, they're really neat. And 
we were talking about we're going to need a lot of strings of lights when we get to the new building. And as we were having that conversation, one of the lights went out. Now, what used to happen in those scenarios? You'd lose the whole strand. One light gone, all lights affected. The lights now are meant to overcome such a thing. As one light goes out, the other ones continue to shine brightly, keeping the strand in order, keeping it activated, keeping it useful, keeping it healthy. This is our deal as well. 